3: We are back in the Element Well Studios, middays. Gerard and Rhino, we've got Stone Clinton. He is the Central Mississippi Grassroots Engagement Director for Americans for Prosperity. Stone, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. All right, so tell us what you got going on tomorrow with this true cost tour. That ought to be of interest to everybody because <laughs> the cost of everything keeps going up.
6: Oh, yeah. So this is a national campaign that Americans for Prosperity is working on. And what we're doing is going around the country and lowering down the price of gas to two thirty eight. Wow. What it was on inauguration day of twenty twenty one. And it's we're going around and listening to people's stories and honestly they're they're all sad, they're all frustrating, but they're all too familiar. Yeah. Between people having to choose between gas. And food, and rent, and et cetera, et cetera, because uh, and and so we're going to be over at Forest at uh, Vance Cox's gas station. I'm sure you know no bats, Vance yeah. over Vance, Vance over Cox gas station. From mm-hmm. starting out at 11, and uh, we're going to roll through uh, 1,500 gallons, whatever time that usually. It ain't going to uh, take long. It ain't going to take long because <laughs> <laughs> because I mean like you know pe- people are going to be rolling through, and the thing is uh, we've we've had you know three mile plus long lines. Starting at eight a.m. So you've already
3: done this in some other
6: place. Not not AFP Mississippi, okay. but AFP around the country. That's
3: what I mean. Yeah, the AFP, yeah. The, the national orga- organization and its its state organizations. They've already done some of this in some of the states. Awesome success with it. And like I said, just getting to know people and
6: listening to them, and uh, you know, not being their counsel or something. But sometimes people just want to vent. Yeah, and let us know what's going on and and how they're having to. Uh, to decide between different things, and you yeah. know, n- not one person that I've seen a video of has said that they're happy <laughs> with the way the economy and and how the, uh, the you know the Fed is uh, printing money, because that's what all this boils down to is the the demand for Washington to spend. Therefore, they have to have more dollars to do that. So they just print, 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 and print, and it's not just a gassing again. Yeah, uh, people see that uh, the red or green or blue sign that just goes up every day, and that's what people see. But it's also in groceries. People don't go in stores and look at every little price. They're just going in there and just picking up whatever. So they don't necessarily always see that, but they do see that that yeah. sign. And I'm not saying we are going to go do something else but um, it. We are talking about doing some other things, not just at gas stations. But, um, yeah, we're just want to help some people out and
3: send a message to D.C. This is an interesting inflationary period, and in that generally in inflation is caused by outsized demand, excess demand, uh, with uh, not enough supply to keep up. But this one, I think, uh, this this particular round is more a function of lack of supply, and you could chalk that off to... Uh, Mm -hmm. COVID and the the government shutdown of economies across the world, and that caused, in the case of oil, refineries shut down because there was no demand for their product, and they didn't want to continue to incur those expenses. And so we have a massive refinery shortage, but now we got a president and a government that's run by people who says, we want to put you out of business. But, oh, in the meantime, can you go (laughs) ramp up production some so that we can bring the price down? Because we got to get reelected. I mean, that's what I'm seeing.
6: Yeah, and you made a good point. I like how you pointed out the the, the different industries and in the COVID aspect because it is, of course, we know that Washington loves to spend money and print money. Yeah. But there's all these overregulations right. from energy to 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 growing crops. I mean, uh, there's you know the the renewable fuel standard that requires so much ethanol yeah. to be in gas. Well, that incentivizes farmers to to uh, make more corn. Therefore, they're not making other stuff. So simple supply and demand stuff going on too. But then there's also all these you know the Paris. Uh, climate agreement that we re-entered and et cetera et cetera so and you know as a young person I graduated a year ago and I've just paid my my first income taxes uh, (laughs) this year so and I'm just thinking okay I'm already paying that plus I'm paying more and getting less at the pump as well as other places I'm worried about other people that's my age who are just now graduating who haven't necessarily had the same support that I had from my parents yeah. going through school and they're having to graduate and inherit this mess. So it's just it's it's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, it's a good point. Well, you know, I think the Democrats are, are uh, from a political perspective at least, what we gotta focus on, okay, what do we do to fix this conundrum? And what we need, I feel, are are policies that will promote supply. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, because everything is, is uh, dwindling in terms of the imbalance of supply with demand. Automobiles, groceries, mm-hmm. oil, chips, computers, you cross the spectrum. But we have a government that doesn't seem to be on board with promoting an increase in supply. Their, their focus is, let's go print more money and dole it out, to sort of offset these higher costs. We got the state of California is announcing right now they're they're um they're getting closer to sending out money to every Californian to offset the cost of gas, like debit cards, if you will, that can be used at the gas pump. Yeah, and the, I know we got the
6: whole gas tax holiday coming out, which is a facade yeah. to say the least, because it's just an, it's just a carve out. So and that's not going to fix the problem long term, uh, regardless of what anybody, what anybody says. We are in a recession. Uh, we might change the definition so over too. time, but yeah, it's it's not it's not just simple um, short term policies. We got to think long term. Yeah,
3: I I agree. So you you said that in these uh, these events where you're putting gas on sale, like mm-hmm. you're going to do tomorrow in Forest, Mississippi, mm-hmm. in Mississippi. Uh, Vance Cox's mm-hmm. uh, facility yeah, is con- it's a convenience store up there, right? Yeah,
6: 503 West 3rd Street, Forest, Mississippi. It's
3: just called Cox Chevron. Cox Chevron, okay. Start out at 11. Great. That sounds fantastic. So 238. Two thirty-eight. That's what the price of regular will be. Is that correct? Correct.
6: Okay. We are doing regular gas. Okay. And uh, right. no, no RVs, no no gas pumps, <laughs> no lawnmowers, just just regular everyday vehicles. Okay.
3: All right. So, and and what you shared with us is that in in uh, having these events across the country, the the uh, feedback you're getting is that people aren't happy about this situation. Oh yeah. Is it? Do you feel or find that uh, from uh, AFP's meetings and discussions with these folks that vote? Or, or is it going, going to impact their voting preferences?
6: For sure. For sure. And I can't, you know, get too far into the political aspect of it, but for sure, I think there's going to be a major shift in what we're doing um, over, I mean, like I said, it's just I don't think anything's going good right now, and um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting the rest of this uh, midterms.
3: Yeah, it certainly will. So, uh, I guess you got some some way to deal with all the traffic. You guys got uh, yeah. law enforcement uh, in, in traffic.
6: Well, uh, Vance has uh, definitely <laughs> been a big help to us with that. He's been enthusiastic through the entire sure. process, and we got going to have like one entrance, one exit, and uh, have some uh, police off-duty uh, deputies there to help us get us through there. And I mean, it's 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 going to be a long process, but we're going to ask people to be patient with us yeah. through Absolutely. this thing. You know, we're. Like I said, it's just us wanting to show a little reciprocity to people yeah, uh, because we know they're hurting, and uh, we want to listen to them and, and, like I said, send a message to D.C.
3: I think it's a neat idea. H- have, uh, have these events garnered any feedback from Washington? Has is, is AFP heard anything out of folks that are up there on the Hill making the laws for us? Is, have they observed I would hope so. Uh,
6: I know that we uh, do de- definitely get shout outs from different congressmen okay uh, during some of the committee meetings, so we've definitely heard that uh, you can probably find them on AFP's YouTube page but um it's it's interesting because I mean people are mad that not just the voters but the congressmen are yeah. mad and they're saying, "Hey, why are they doing this, and we can't reduce the regulations." And stop the inflation that's causing. They're they're having to fix our problem. Yeah. So I, I like I said I this the whole thing with the midterms and everything. I think it's gonna um, some different policy champions are definitely going to be in there.
3: It feels like the Democrats maybe are trying to leverage this uh, Dobbs decision handed by the Supreme Court in their favor, but the polls don't show that that ranks as a top issue when voters go to the ballot box. They're mm-hmm. worried about the pocketbook, first to foremost, oh, of course. overwhelmingly.
6: Mm-hmm. No, of course, yeah. I mean, I don't – of course, I know there's always the hot button, you know, red sure. meat issues, but this is affecting everybody. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, rural, urban, yeah. uh, rich, poor. It's affecting me. It's affecting my girlfriend and my family. I'm sure it's affecting you and sure. it, all the listeners here. Sure, absolutely. Uh, because when you start it, – it, it honestly, it starts at – the you aspect of it, everybody can always talk about these different stats and, and, and quotas and all of these different things and and get into the policy mumbo-jumbo, and that's great because you have to know those things, but at the end of the day, it's going to be about what affects people.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. Just looking at this California plan, uh, they're going to return $9.5 billion to taxpayers. Just for perspective, the entire state budget of the state of Mississippi is less than $6 billion. Single people who make less than seventy five grand and couples less than hundred and fifty are gonna get three fifty per taxpayer plus an extra three fifty for each dependent. They're just gonna send them yeah. money yeah. to offset the cost of gas. Rather than addressing the true problem, which is over regulation, which is generating uh, less supply than we need. Well, in their minds that's gonna incentivize more work too, oh, right? Oh man, <laughs> so crazy. Stone, thanks for coming in, yeah, man. I Good appreciate luck with the event. It. Please tell Vance I said hello. Appreciate I will. It, man. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, thank you, Stone. Stone Clanton, the Central Mississippi Grassroots Engagement Director, Americans for Prosperity, talking about the True Cost tour that's going on tomorrow. Gas for two thirty-eight over in Forest. Stay with us. We're coming right back.
5: This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this on Super Talk, Mississippi. Uh-huh. Let's do <laughs>
3: on middays. Super Talk Mississippi in the Element Well Studios. We got some concert tickets to give away. We're happy to say that we will air the 10th annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon on Thursday July 14th here on Super Talk Mississippi. Every year there are children across Mississippi that need a loving home and many times these children are caught in unimaginable, unimaginable, excuse me, circumstances, and that's why we need your help. You'll learn how Palmer Home for Children serves vulnerable children. It's a faith-based organization that doesn't take government money, so we need your help. We want you to listen in and join us for the 10th Annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon. It's all happening on July 14th right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Looking forward to that. Rhino's going to cut the dew, right? Oh, yeah. The annual. My annual haircut and shave. Looking forward to it. And we're headed up uh, to – we're going to DeSoto County. Oh, yeah. I think, right? So that ought to be fun. Looking forward to that. That's July 14th, which also happens to be my mother's birthday, my deceased mother's birthday. Yep, sure is. So uh, we got tickets to give away. we just got a lot of stuff going on here at Super Talk. Big day. It's always good when a Monday is busy. Yeah. Makes the I agree. Monday fly by. Especially in the middle of the summer, right? Oh yeah. We're usually kind of looking for stuff to talk about. Which, no what do shortage. they call
4: it? I was reading about this over the weekend in Europe, apparently they have a term for the summer months. Where the the news kind of gets a little goofy, and and you wind up having the the video stories about the squirrel on skis and the little pool and stuff like that. (laughs) And I couldn't quite draw the connection. Maybe somebody that's a little bit more versed in in European nonsense than me. (laughs) They call them the cucumber months. Cucumber? I didn't get it. Huh. I don't see how that connects to the goofy news stories, but, yeah. Yeah, that's a
3: little weird. Cucumber months. I'm not sure about that. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Tucker Carlson, of course, refers to her as Sandy Cortez, because I think that's her real name. Uh, She suggested in an Instagram video on Saturday night that pro-life Democrats should no longer serve. If you're pro-life and you're a Democrat, you need to resign. Abandon your post in the United States Congress. That's what she says. We in, <laughs> Golly. It's just unbelievable. The, uh, the court thinks differently, of course. Uh, justice Samuel Alito, who was the, the justice who authored the opinion, the chief author of it. The majority opinion. Yeah, the majority opinion. Excuse me. Thank you. Because there's always two, a majority and a minority. Someone is assigned to that task. Always at least two. That's true. That's true. Uh, We end this opinion. This is Justice Samuel Alito. We end this opinion where we began. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. I believe that's supposed to be abrogated. Is that right? Or is that a word I'm not familiar with? Is there such a word as arrogate? A-R-R-O-G-A-T-E? Yeah, it's probably supposed to be abrogate. I think so. I think it's just a misprint, honestly. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. That's what happened. Why can't they get that? The le- there are still people out there, and you know this, that are saying, this decision totally ended abortion in this country. And they're, they're, and to some extent, I think Democrats don't want to clarify it. No. They, I think they believe they reap political advantage and benefit from letting people think that's what happened. Meantime, like we said, Governor hairdo out there, Gavin Newsom says, Sanctuary State we are. And numerous businesses step right up. Which that
4: brings me to my point about how you can get the pro-abortionists to fight the unionists. Because somebody should be unhappy in this situation with all these big businesses, all these Fortune 500 companies and tech companies and media companies and everybody else coming out and saying, oh, yeah, we'll pay thousands of dollars to let you go get an abortion if your state doesn't allow it. Where are the unionists up in arms about the fact that they're being treated like cattle because they don't want to pay for maternity leave. They want you to end the end the pregnancy and come right back to work because you're a good little worker bee. It's expensive.
3: There's no doubt. So why aren't the unions up in arms about this? Uh, because I, I guess it might... Uh, Or at the very least, the labor people. Well, that's true. They may risk their sway with the Democrats. We know they have it, big time. Heck, to a great extent, the teachers' union essentially runs education policy. They dictate education policy. We know that now. No question. Jody and Pontotoc on the Ceasefire text line. I wonder what the poll... Numbers would show, as for Biden's approval rating on everyone but Americans, considering illegal immigrants, basically the whole world, America excluded from the poll. That's an interesting thought, Jody. I don't know. Very interesting, though. Not sure um, how that what the outcome would look like. I'm just not. I know he goes over to the G7 summit, and he's got an idea of how you folks can curb that pain you feel every time you fill your gas tank up buy an electric vehicle he's just there they're absolutely just married to that concept that is and this is what happens when you put someone in charge who has been a government animal their entire lives has never made a payroll has never had to scrap for money now we're talking about here who's just Co- completely oblivious to real life and and life's challenges, making ends meet, which is what most people have to deal with in this country. We all do. Hey,
4: check if anybody tried to exist in the private sector for as long as Joe Biden's been in politics, and told a tenth of the lies that he hasn't been called out on. That's true. They've been fired years ago That's from every
3: place true. they ever wanted to work. Going back to the plagiarism, right? And since he's been in office, how many lies has he told? Even while we're talking about baseball here this morning, even lying about his hit in the congressional baseball game. I think he, he did that uh, while the World Series champions were visiting the White House last year, right?
4: Or his <laughs> asinine story about the...
3: Subway conductor, Joey, baby. <laughs> How can he do that and get? A, you're so right about that. Because he's had
4: canned it. nonsense, little, ooh, yeah, this will make me look good for this crowd that he's inserted into speeches his entire career, and he's never been called out on
3: it. I agree. Daniel on the ceasefire tax line. I hate to think of this, but I would imagine rape accusations will increase with this abortion law. Thoughts? Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know what the standard is of proving that. And that would, of course, only apply in situations where states will allow abortion in the case of rape, incest, or endangerment to the mother's life. Uh, and I'm not sure where states are with respect to the various nuances there, but they're all pretty much all 50 are busy with uh, their reaction and and their the laws that either are being triggered or that they intend to pass in light of the decision, I think what we're going to see is a lot of red states are going to restrict, possibly even ban we are already know of two, and there may be more. I'm only familiar with Missouri and South Dakota right now uh that have totally prohibited and we're uh we're trying to track that down. Uh, it's just a little uh, soon, I guess it's fair to say. But then you've got states such as California that we've been talking about, who have, in fact, gone, gone their way to expand access to abortion, like astronomical expansion. I think, perhaps, even through the third trimester, which is wildly unpopular vast majority of Americans don't support third trimester. Still though, a majority don't support second. You have a majority that do first trimester. Uh, but uh, you know, my concern is that we may have a situation where these blue states expand access, make it more accessible even going so far as to pay for those who seek an abortion coming from states where they can't get one, where it's not available. And we have companies, lots of them, that are busy updating their their employment policies to provide such benefits. We'll pay for it, your travel included. We got a list of a few of them right now. Marty Stewart pumping us out. We'll come right back.
5: This show was previously... Re- Bring it
0: on! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on! On Super Talk Mississippi.
4: The Diablo Motors had a
0: hell of a sale
4: downtown
7: yesterday.
4: Work got around, no money down. Take years and years to pay got there. The lot was bare, but the salesman said, hold on. For a little
3: cash, I got a two-tone ash. A little cash. <laughs> if the devil danced in empty pockets, he'd have a ball in mine.
0: <laughs> With a nine-foot grand, the 10-piece
3: band. In hadn't heard that one. If the devil danced in empty pockets, he'd have a ball in mind. Boy he got plenty of pockets to choose from these days, that's for sure. So, lots of challenges for employers as they update their benefits packages in light of the decision handed down by the Supreme Court on the Dobbs case. Just a, a long list of companies that are prepared to include benefits, abortion benefits, including travel. Not only just policies that pay for the procedures, uh, the procedure, but the travel to a state should one of their employees seek an abortion and they live in a state or working for that company in a state where they're not available. It's just incredible the accommodation that the private sector is willing to make here. Now, that's perfectly legal far as I'm concerned, here's where it could be a problem from an insurance perspective. So, in general, insurance, all forms, including health insurance, including employer group health insurance, is regulated at the state level. And states and their agencies that oversee the insurance regulate the insurance industry, and here's the Department of Insurance, headed by Mike Cheney, the, the commissioner, an elected official in Mississippi. been on the program many times, like a good friend. And, and so, with respect to policies that are offered by third parties, let's just say that you work for an employer that offers Blue Cross Blue Shield, United Healthcare. Pick, pick one, that's, that has met the requirements and is authorized to sell insurance in Mississippi. You could have a situation where the Department of Insurance says you cannot include abortion benefits in your policies, in your coverage. Okay, But if it's a really large, and that's virtually all small, mid-sized companies, they're going to have third-party coverage. They're not going to have so-called self-funded insurance plans. A lot of big companies, on the other hand, do. So get this, self-funded insurance, say a really big fortune company that has a self-funded plan, that's regulated at the federal level, not at the state level. It's an interesting nuance that sets up for a, uh, a, a bit of a legal debate, possibly. Possibly, not saying that's definitely going to happen, but it it will will be an issue that uh, we'll pay some attention to that may come up. Never know, but nonetheless, there's no doubt that companies, many companies, have already come out and they're rushing they're rushing to change their. Their employee policies and their employee benefits packages, Starbucks, Uber, Uber and Lyft, I saw, are even contemplating indemnifying their drivers in a situation where they may be breaking laws in certain states by transporting a woman seeking an abortion. Out of a state where it is banned, not only where it's banned, but the state of Texas, for example, you can be charged with a crime if you aid in a bet in the obtaining of an abortion. And so transporting a woman seeking an abortion could be breaking the law, could be charged with a crime. So in those states. So Uber and Lyft are talking about indemnifying. Their drivers to protect them in the cases where they may be sued by the state, charged by the state, with breaking the law because they transported a woman looking for an abortion into a state that provides them. Hmm. That's just things you never thought we'd ever be talking about, right? Um, Just Eat, Takeaway.com, Nevada's Grubhub, Dick's Sporting Goods. They're just a long list. Apple, Microsoft... Most of Silicon Valley, big companies, most of the banking industry, Citibank, J.P. Morgan, I think when it's all said and done, my guess is and the Fortune 500, 95% of them will update their policies, their, um, their benefits packages to include covering abortion services for the employees. That just seems to be the trend. And it's like all this woke stuff that took hold back in 2020 in, in the wake of the George Floyd situation where they were all trying to outdo each other and be the first to say, look, we're going all in with this diversity, equity, inclusion stuff. We're going to pay people and hire this and that and the other. Uh, I still have a one piece of business relationship left over from a project going back 20-something years ago. And I got noticed today from one of the Vendors of those services that I needed to update our our files to them as a partner to them. In in the forum, the it was just mind boggling. In the forum, you you were required to check a lot of boxes as to um, where you stand on on your business status. And in particular, uh, all the various, I guess, so-called minority statuses, if you follow what I'm talking about there, but I'm, I'm pulling it up right now so I can share a little bit of that with you. I mean, this is where it's gotten in this country. Uh, is your company 8A certified? Or are you a small disadvantaged business? Are you a hub zone business? Hub zone business? A minority-owned business? A woman-owned business? A veteran-owned business? An LBGBTQ-owned business? Is your company service-disabled veteran ownership business? Select all the groups that apply. Well, I guess if you don't, you're out. That's the way it's going. So once again, it's the march to mediocrity. And look, I, I don't have any issue with the, the veteran stuff. And uh, them considering that, I appreciate that. We should all be supportive of veteran-owned businesses, but also support free market. And I don't know about in the business world, I don't know in in free enterprise, that there should be any advantage given to anybody based on those those features, those characteristics. Uh, But this is common now in this country. So if you don't meet any of those qualifications... You likely aren't going to win any business. It doesn't matter what your product service is and how good you are in the supply and of it and the delivery of it. We don't We don't consider that anymore. That would be performance based. That's way down the list. But it's going to be interesting to see where all this lands where you've got all these companies that are choosing to cover abortion and any travel necessary to get one. And now some employees are being outspoken and saying, we don't want you to do that. They're pro-life employees as well. Um, One in particular at Disney was the same individual that represents a large group that doesn't want to be public, but he represents an Hispanic gentleman. His name escapes me, but he represents a large group of Disney employees that told management, look, we support the law here in Florida. You're take the you're taking a position that's counter to our positions and views, and the same thing is on reimbursing and covering abortion benefits. So Jose Castillo. Yes, thank you, Mr. Castillo. So that's just one of the gazillions of companies that are implementing uh, this sort of coverage. It's just incredible that... So my fear, my concern, I'll just be honest about it, is that will we see... An increase in abortion as as states expand it. Now, most people's reaction is no, that we got uh, lots of states, particularly in the South where we are, that are going to severely restrict, if not totally prohibit it. I get it, but well, you got employers now paying, you got states paying out of their own taxpayer money to transport people that live in states where it's severely restricted or totally prohibited. But more importantly, I guess the point is most of these states are looking to allow abortion, the ones that are expanding access, all the way through the third trimester. And and it just kind of comes to mind that that might actually result in an increase, sadly. We'll see. I think the Democrats, however, are grossly overestimating how this might benefit them in the midterms. I just don't see it. I really don't. I don't think... I think it's just a separate issue that's not going to be a factor in voting. Oh, I gotta vote for this person so they can go codify Roe, I guess, or something like that. Or I'm mad at the Republicans because they're the ones that made this happen. In particular, Donald Trump, because he's the one that appointed these Scotus justices. You need to be mad at your own party because they squandered the opportunities we talked about earlier. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Final segment. Tickets to to Giveaway. This show
5: was previously recorded.
0: Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, everyone! Thanks for joining us. Super Top Mississippi, Stephen from uh, Greenville. These companies are sounding awfully political instead of just selling their product. I agree with you, Stephen. Heck, we've been we've been pounding that drum uh, since all this wokeness started to proliferate and permeate uh, American business, where they seem to be more concerned about social justice matters. Then they do selling products and services and making a profit. But I tell you what, they're changing their tunes with this recession coming at us. Before we give away the tickets, did have a couple of people ask about uh, companies that uh, are busy implementing these uh, policies that would fund abortions and even travel for their employees. And I go through a, just a very short, partial list. So this is just what we know today. Uh, Microsoft, Apple, Meta, Yelp. Disney, Uber, Netflix, Bumble, Match Group, Box, Levi Strauss, Comcast, Warner Brothers, Conde Nast, J.P. Morgan Chase, Nike, Starbucks, Dick Sporting Goods, Kroger, Alaska Airlines, Goldman Sachs, Zillow, H.P. H.P.E., Accenture, huh, Shobani, uh Yogurt. I mean, it, it's. I'm telling you, it's going to be all of them. <laughs> what are you laughing about? The yogurt. <laughs> the yogurt, yogurt people. In. Of course, you know Ben and Jerry's, right? They're well, all over course. it as well. <laughs> But, so here's the deal, uh, folks, is that you may think that if you say, okay, I'm not going to do business with those people, they're 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 so reaching into so many different things.
4: It reminds me of the reporter that asked Ben and Jerry why they still sell their product in states they don't agree with.
3: Yeah, I agree. They're all over that, aren't they? It was they? just crickets. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, because they make a bunch of money from it. Did I mention <laughs> uh, that... I think Amazon is among those as well, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty sure that they're in that list as well. I may not have said it, but you see anything about that? I think uh, Amazon, yep, Tesla, all rolling out policies to offer benefits to U.S. employees who may need access to abortion. That's being reported by Reuters. They're pretty reliable. Gosh, they have even a more... Complete list. Macy's, Gucci, Bank of Nova Scotia, DoorDash, MasterCard, and you know uh, Visa well as well. Citigroup, I think we mentioned them. Levi Strauss, United Talent Agency. That's an interesting one. So, it's just a long list. Bo from Starkville. Why do these companies feel the need to issue these statements instead of just running their businesses? I, I, what have we been saying, Bo? I, because they're more... Concerned with being outdone by the others on the social justice warrior front. I really do feel that way It's no, I'm more virtuous and noble than you are. Look at what we can do Yeah, you're not marketing properly to the youth
4: unless you virtue signal
3: no doubt about it Got some tickets. We got
4: to give away. Yeah, let's do it the Twilight concert series returns to Colony Park in Ridgeland on July 9th That's right around the corner with J.J. Gray and Mofro along with Big Head Todd and the Monsters Tickets are available right now at twilightms.com. But now you got a chance to win a pair of tickets to see JJ Gray and Mofro along with Big Head, Todd, and the Monsters on July 9th. All you got to do is be the 12th person to text into the C Spire text line, that's 601 879 4395. Be the 12th person to text in the word Monster. And you'll win a pair of tickets to see JJ Gray and Mofro along with Big Head, Todd, and the Monsters. At Colony Park in Richland.
3: There you go. Appreciate that, Rhino. So, we got Super Talk Mississippi Outdoors coming up with Ricky Matthews. It's a shame we're out of, of time, just about out of time, anyhow. We got so much to talk about. We're going to be on the Coast Mississippi Municipal League convention tomorrow. Looking very forward to that. And once again, a reminder tomorrow is voting day. If you live in congressional districts two, three, and four, go out and exercise your constitutional right to cast your ballot. It's going to be a big day in Mississippi with respect to those runoff elections. So, yeah, these, these companies uh, that are all, all woke, and now they're not only woke, but they're pursuing these abortion, implementing of abortion benefits in their benefit packages to their employees. Uh, also, I think it was Thomas and Greenwood appreciate him pointing out that the the uh, ability to have an abortion in the case of rape requires that you file charges against someone. Okay, that's the legal standard. I appreciate that. I wasn't aware that that's what it was. So I don't think, I wouldn't think, I guess, that you could, um, uh, that would be an easy process. I'm not sure. but. Could you just show up and say, hey, uh, yeah, somebody raped me. I mean, I don't know what, the, again, the standards are, what sort of vetting there is when someone files charges like that. That's probably because you could find out subsequently, right? Oh, no, that didn't really happen. You just said it did so you could receive an abortion. Oh, boy. This is going to be complicated stuff. There ain't no doubt about it. We got a winner? Just let people know before we, we get do. out here. Just okay. waiting to confirm. Okay, got it. Well, we appreciate you so much for uh, joining us today. Mississippi's Faith Hill bumping us out here into Ricky Matthews and Super Top Mississippi Outdoors on the Gulf Coast, Coast tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone.
5: This show was, this show was previously recorded.
8: Uh,
0: and, now. and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's
8: what I like listen to.
3: welcome back everyone it's middays hour two of the program is live from the element well studio on this hump day little hurricane update Rhino looks like the eye of Adalia is crossing now into southern Georgia so I guess we'll start getting more reports of the damage as it swept through the Big Bend area of Florida joining us now is uh, representative Dan banks he of course serves district Dan Eubanks, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happens to all of us. It is hump oh, day. So we, we, uh, serves we... District 25. I hadn't known Dan before about 10, 12 years here. So uh, Also, John Armstrong, Legislative Liaison with the Convention of States, and that's kind of our topic today. Representative Eubanks, <laughs> thank you so much for coming in, and, and you too as well, Mr. Thank Armstrong. You. So the Convention of States, um, when I saw this on on the uh on the lineup for today, the first thing I thought about, and I had to go look it up here a minute ago, I remember writing an article about this uh, that was published in the Clarion Ledger here, the big Jackson, City of Jackson newspaper. I just looked it up. It was March 2019. Wow. And that was right after we joined the call, probably. Exact, it was yeah. the day of. The article published the day you guys uh, voted on it. You may remember Lieutenant Colonel Alan West was in attendance. I do. I've spent in the, the whole Carolina. day with him. I uh, have my photo taken. Uh, I think we actually Lieutenant came Trump. here
2: and actually did a show in the morning on Super Talk. I actually, think that is well.
3: right. Um, and so, uh, the convention of states. Before we discuss exactly what that is, what that means, what we're trying to do here, Mississippi, as I recall, Representative Eubanks signed on uh, to the balanced budget, the fiscal restraint right. aspect, but not the term limits.
2: Right. There were three. There were three. Uh, calls basically built into that resolution Yep. and there were a whole lot of folks that that was the headwind we were facing in the Mississippi legislature was people didn't want term limits yeah uh, this would be
3: for members of Congress by the way it be for members of Congress
2: but mm-hmm. but uh, if you if you look back at at Mississippi's history. We tend to get people, and they get in there and they stay there forever. Certainly, yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and so, both in Jackson uh, and Washington. Well, you're you're absolutely right. And mm-hmm. so, in in order to in order to basically get that over the finish line and to join the 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 call with the other states around the country, because you know you have to reach 34 states right to, uh, on a call in order to actually call a convention. The agreement was made that look, should we get to the point to where we have enough states to have a convention, the whatever delegates or representatives we send from Mississippi, they would stay out of the talks on term limits. Right. And so we, we were able to successfully get it passed. And um, and so, yeah, that that was uh, – and it's ironic, too, because when I went to the simulated convention a few weeks back, I was the chairman of term limits and – Hmm.
3: That is very ironic, given that you represent a state that uh, didn't sign on to that uh, that part of the effort. Uh, And so, John, uh, explain this to us. As I recall, there are some limits in our Constitution about the issues that can be held. And you have to have specific issues. You can't just say, let's have a convention and just
7: remake the country, for example. Well, the best way to call a convention is to have defined topics okay. I don't think there is actually a restriction okay but they wanted to do that and keep it you know on point and they had instead of doing one a topic which is has been done before there have been calls for conventions and when they do one topic it doesn't get enough support right so this current call for a convention they decided to combine three very popular ideas fiscal responsibility term limits except for Mississippi, yep. and um, limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. So those are the three areas that we are calling a convention for. Anything outside of those would not be discussed or you know proposed. So that's a way of keeping it contained and safe in a way. Yep. Um, I think currently there's a new thing that c- the governor of California wants to call an <laughs> Article II convention for gun rights. That's fine. You can do that. Hmm. but it's probably not going to be very popular so I doubt he will get much support. These uh, three that uh, Convention of States have chosen are m- supermajority popular in America with the people. Okay,
2: I think it's also important to point out, Gerard, that the, the, the hurdle to get there is monumental but th- to even ratify it is even more monumental. The, the process is exactly the same as it Currently exists for Congress to propose an amendment. You think back where you know we gave women the right to vote, or we made slavery—you know—we got rid of slavery in America. We had amendments that Congress proposed, and it had to go back to all the state legislatures to be ratified. So, even if you had something go off the rail, kind of like the you know the naysayers would try to tell you is going to happen, there's still a, there's still a, a, a firewall and a safety check because it's got to go back and pass
3: um, by 38. I mean, seventy-five percent, three yeah. qu- three quarters, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I believe it's two-thirds to get the convention underway, and then three-quarters, right, to actually ratify, right, is the threshold, which I was I think wise on the part of our founders. Oh yeah,
2: you want it to be high, yeah. Otherwise, you know, any anybody with a, a agenda and a whole lot of money might be able to to, to circumvent things, but it was also. It was also kind of the Hail Mary. It was the, the, the last-ditch effort that our founding fathers were wise enough to put into the Constitution to say, at some point, Congress will get to the place where it is unwilling or unable to regulate itself, where they're unwilling to do the hard thing or the right thing for America – or only act in their own best interest for the next reelection cycle. And at some point, it may be necessary for states to rise up and say, okay, well, we can take the issue into our own hands, and we can follow the same process that that Congress follows, and we can propose amendments uh, that limit or at least right the ship.
3: Sure. So how long has this specific effort been underway?
7: I mean, just with respect to the issues that we're trying to address. We just had our 10-year anniversary. Okay. And it also just got uh, 2,500,000 signatures at about the same time. So it is a slow process, and there's a lot of talk about how long will it take to get to the next stage, which would be calling a convention. No one really (laughs) knows. I mean, we hope, because there are a number of states that have, say, one house already on board so we need just the other half. You would think those might not take long. We actually have another state, I forget which one it is, it's ratified but they have then a bit of legislation that says you can't call a convention of states. So mm. we have to, it hmm. it seems unconstitutional. I think it will end up being struck down and convention of states will hopefully prevail. That would be the 20th state. But it's it's a slog. It's a, it's a long way. I, I'm hoping it's within the next Three to five years, really? Yeah.
2: I, yeah, I think the worst that our nation, hmm. the worst state our nation gets in, the more people will be aware. That, you know, people want to have hope. You want to believe that that our, our our best days aren't behind us, and and it's hard to have hope when you look at the the swamp in D.C. and you see the level of of selling out of our country, uh, the, the unwillingness to actually say, well, you know what, we can't run a 30 plus trillion dollar deficit and keep printing money and and have a hundred to 200 trillion dollars in unfunded you know liabilities at someday the the piper got to get paid you can't kick the can forever and and hopefully before that day comes I think I think the vast majority of Americans will say we've got to do something they're already saying it and and, and the beautiful thing about an article 5 convention is it it does give hope where there seems to be no hope for the the average American for the states, um, and and I think that uh, it's sad to say it, but the worse we get, the state we get in as a nation, the more relevant an Article Five convention becomes, um, because you, you can't expect the people that are making the rules to mm-hmm. rule themselves. Nobody wants to, you know, you've got so many people there that can constitute the swamp in D.C. that have been there for fifty, forty, thirty years. They're never going to put limits on themselves. So so at some point, um, it may be necessary for the, the people in the states to rise up and to right the ship.
3: Yeah, um, we're just about at a break. And if you guys can hang around, we'll continue oh, the discussion into the next um, uh, segment. But... I have uh, I don't have quite as optimistic a view on that. Um, uh, I I wrote an article in support of this, so clearly right. I'm on board with it. And I'd I'd like to think that article I know it was read a lot by the legislature. I'd like to think that article did have some degree of an influence that we got at least partially on board with it. I knew the term limits would be a heavy lift, but I have a different take on on uh, than you do, Representative Eubanks, on on your belief as to why this will become more important, more supported by the electorate. And I'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Love to hear and We'll have that discussion. Coming right back in the Element Well Studio, stay with us. And I
7: think-
5: This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded.
0: The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, everyone. middays from the Element Well Studio. We're chatting with Representative Dan Eubanks and also uh, John Armstrong, legislative liaison for the Convention of states. so you were you were making the point, and I think it's a right. it's a valid point, and it's uh it's a logical point that where you really see folks get behind, uh, such an effort, is when they're, they just look at Congress and say, Congress is dysfunctional, it's ineffective, not really uh, advancing the ball here uh, to the for the betterment of the country, and it's time for, for us as the people through this Convention of States process to exert some, some pressure and to get some things done. Right. And so I totally agree with that. The concern I have, and it's something we've talked about on the program many times, is that those of us on the right... That, that cherish freedom and believe in free markets and limited government and uh, lower taxes and, and, and all that that entails. I think we're losing the messaging war in a big way. And if you talk, I think, to the average person out there, they would agree that our 31 trillion dollars of debt and our um, We're looking at a $2 trillion deficit this year, by the way, um, this fiscal year, which ends at the end of next month. I think they would say, well, that's because we don't take enough taxes in. And that's a very, very effective uh, point that they make. And uh, leaders in the Democrat Party really pound that drum. I pay a lot of attention to that, and I see reaction from the the average person and this narrative that, well, the reason we're running up these huge deficits is because Trump gave tax cuts to his wealthy buddies and corporations. That, I think, is the prevailing attitude uh, in the country. When you start talking about, let's look at the convention, for example, which calls for uh, fiscal restraint. Balancing the budget, right. I think that's a noble <clears throat> cause, and I think it's something that a lot of people could get behind. But here's what's missing. You, you look at the RNC debate last week. Virtually every candidate up there said, we got to stop all the radical spending. Okay, specifically, what do you want to stop? Because they'll say, we can't touch Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Okay, you can't do anything about debt interest. Well, that's 70% of outflows. We can't touch the military. In fact, we got to raise that. Well, now we're at 85%. So you're dealing with about 12 to 15%, which is all the rest of government. Well, if you got rid of every bit of that, you still have a trillion and a half dollar deficit. If you got rid of all the military, all discretionary spending, all the government complex outside of mandatory spending, you still have a trillion dollar deficit. That's where we are. So now you're talking about, well, let's go reduce benefits uh, being paid out by Social Security and Medicare. Don't touch that! Right. That's why I think this is a problem. We, we've gotten so upside down and we've kicked this can down the road for so long. Nobody will offer any. Here are my plans to balance the budget. Here's what that budget looks like. All they say is we got to cut spending, but nobody said here's my budget. Right. Well, you this know, balanced. But you know, if you think about it, every
2: family, every individual that's listening right now, they live within a budget. Right. And, and if and if they get their hours cut and their budget goes down, they have to go in and triage what's got to get cut. No doubt. And 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 so if you limit. How much Congress can spend? They're going to go through and they're going to cut out a bunch of stuff, and you're going to have to take a good hard look and triage what's really necessary. I mean, we're we're already into the Ukraine for 150 billion dollars. You know, we 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 had we spent hundreds of millions of dollars on all this gender equity, transgender stuff in the last budget that got passed back in in November. Uh, billions of dollars on green. There was a hundred plus million dollars in. In the budget that got passed back in November, that was solely for the purpose of figuring out how to tax Americans for how many miles they drive. Not how much gas they buy, but how many miles they drive. At some point, you will have to say, hey, I can't afford the cable anymore, I'm going to cut it. You know, we can't afford to go out and eat every night. We'll cut it because this is what we bring in and this is what we can spend. And the federal government, as long as they have the ability to use the American people as an ATM or the ability to go out and print money whenever they need it, they will never limit themselves. And so I agree with you. I mean. There are core functions of government, and there are a you know there are obligations that we have as a nation that we have to i think we do have to take care of the elderly with social security I think we do need a a national defense, but at some point we have to also say, well, if that eight hundred billion dollars that was set up for our national defense, how much is it defending somebody else's border, and we're letting people pour into our border, and how much is that costing the country in in un, unintended expenses you know you don't just come into the country and it doesn't cost us on some fiscal level. And so, I mean, yeah, it, it it sounds kind of pie in the sky, but if you can say no, this is we are going to the state of Mississippi has a balanced budget. Right. Um, and we we put so much away each year in a rainy day fund, and we you know we can't borrow more than we retire, and we we manage our household a lot better than the federal government by far, and and so if if we never do anything to constrain, then all we got is business as usual. It's it's the old adage, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing expecting a different result. If we keep doing business as usual, we will continue to print money at an unbreakable pace and then the problem is going to be a whole lot, a whole lot more detrimental down the road and and when the dollar ceases to be the world reserve currency which it's starting to look like that's happening with the brick nations and everybody else we we've got to get our house in order we've got to restore confidence in the dollar in our nation and you don't do that by running up more debt
3: no, I hear you, and I, I'm on board with all that. All I'm saying is that I haven't heard a Republican yet that says, "Yeah, we got to do something about mandatory spending." That's running for president. The right. only person that's really been any to any degree vocal about it is Rick Scott. Yeah. Um, and uh, to some extent, um, John Cornyn said a little bit about it. I uh, mean, Senator, his name escapes me right now from Wisconsin. He he said something as well, but. I mean, very tacitly touched on it. Donald Trump said, can't touch it. Okay, well then we could get rid of the whole rest of government, and we still got a massive deficit. I mean, that's where we are. We still have a $400 billion deficit. If we got rid of the entire Department of Defense, not just cut out the wasteful spending, I mean just no more Defense Department.
2: But how much of that deficit is made up of a lot of this other garbage that isn't, you know, you depends on where people fall on the side of where how involved we should be in Ukraine. I personally feel like it should be humanitarian. But we are we are headed down a road and playing chicken with Chinese and the and the Russians and we're leaving our own border wide open but we're sending I'm with hundreds of billions of dollars to the Ukraine. That's part of the
3: deficit. It's one yes. percent. it's what it amounts to. The um, where's the other? Where are we going to get the other part of it? I mean, well, that's the problem. Well, it's 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 like a it's, you know a small leak can sink a big ship. It's eight percent of the deficit. It's one percent of spending. The mat, the math right. the way it works out. Well, we're Talk talking about, about let's just
2: eliminating the deficit. So eight okay. percent. If if you keep ratcheting up and finding those things like that, <clears throat> you're going to get to fifty. You may not get all the way there, but there's got to be a process. And I know even in the discussions at the simulated convention on that. That particular call, it it always came with a phase in period because you can't just cold turkey. No,
3: like, sure uh, we can't. We're
2: just gonna cut it off. You know you've got to be able to budget. And when we were looking at getting rid of the income tax here in Mississippi, several of the plans that were floated were. it yeah, I mean even phase-in. the current one we have is a phase in yeah. because you don't want to shock the system and not be able to provide. Just
3: just keep in mind while you're doing that, Social Security, and Medicare keep going up. So you're just you're just plugging one hole and, and busting out another one. But you so, got to
2: be hoping that the economy is also growing and revenues will increase. And and we know that the, that the less money you you take from people because the government has they, nothing they to give away, have. it doesn't first take from somebody else. Yeah, that that money turns over a dozen times. It's going to get taxed a dozen times. And so revenues will increase. And that's part of the reason why all these states have all these surpluses right now because all of that. Stimulus money no
3: used and it just turned over and turned over and turned over. I call it around. helicopter money. They yeah. just—it's going to run
2: out eventually. <laughs> I quit turning around. And then well,
3: it's an issue for huh? the state of Mississippi it it, that we need to be concerned about as well. So, so John, uh, how optimistic? You said ten years. You think you can get uh, sufficient
7: number of states, which would be thirty-four, to get the convention underway? I think it's—I think it, I'm hoping it's three to five, and I am optimistic. And it's interesting when you're talking about the current Republicans not having answers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They're part of Washington. Washington is broken. Washington broke itself. Washington likes it that way. Convention of States doesn't always have answers, but we want to change the incentives. Because Washington's incentive is to get money to move around so we can skim <laughs> off our part. Yeah, I agree. And the Convention of States is going to try and think about this anew and come up with different ways to do it. So that's that's the part that I find the most optimistic. Okay.
3: Well, I look forward to uh, this thing getting getting some legs and getting underway and getting something on the table and maybe we make some change. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Representative Dan Eubanks and John Armstrong talking about the Convention of States. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio.
5: This show was previously recorded. This show was previously recorded.
0: Bring it on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi Live in the Element Wealth Studios on a Thursday morning. Dave Hughes here, and we are joined now uh, via live hookup uh, with uh, one of our opinion writers here at Super Talk, uh, Brian Lamar. And, uh, Brian, you have one heck of a story. How you doing, sir? I'm good, Dave. Thanks,
8: thanks for uh, having me on.
1: Oh, definitely, and and you, uh, welcome to the Super Talk family. Uh, There's snacks in the break room. I'm not sure it's going to do you a lot of good right now, though, right? <laughs> I don't think I can reach them. Uh, that that would take a, a plane flight. Are you currently
8: in Japan? Yes, I'm in Japan. It is currently 12:30 midnight uh, on Friday, September 1st, right now so
1: you stayed up late for us thank you i appreciate that <laughs> You're how, welcome. how how and i this is a simple question with a long complex answer how in the heck does a mississippi boy wind up in japan
8: well um i i, I got a job with uh, the u.s army working over here uh in okinawa japan and uh so i i, I applied for it uh i was um I was working at the CB base as the public affairs director um, from uh, 2016 to 2022. Uh, and then, uh, my, my boys were getting older. I got a 10 year old and a 13 year old. They're getting older. And I, I, I told my wife, I said, if we're going to go overseas and see the world with these boys, we've got to do it now because they're going to start getting girlfriends and stuff and not going to want to leave. So, uh, we, we took off and, uh, it's been an adventure for sure.
1: Well, and I, th- I think if you don't know this, you're going to figure it out. It doesn't matter where you take them. They're going to get girlfriends. It's just a question of where you're at when <laughs> it happens, but it's going to happen.
8: That uh, is a true statement.
1: Now, you you got started writing. Uh, you you kind of got your inspiration at a very young age. And this is the importance of doing some things, to me, outside of the box when it comes to educating our young people. Because you never know where it's going to lead. If you would just briefly run through your story, how you got interested in writing and how you started uh doing the writing that you do so well
8: yeah um so every time i tell this story i I don't know it kind of sounds more and more silly but uh i I got my uh my start in writing uh at eight years old uh second grade Uh, It was a veterans day project uh second grade teacher asked us to write a uh, interview a veteran and then write a story about it and i ended up writing one um on my my great-grandfather who was in world war ii who actually served out here in the pacific front so um, you know here we are 40 years later 30 something years later and uh and here i am in the pacific as well uh and then um, so i wrote the story and it turned out so well and i i interviewed some more of his vfw buddies and uh um a lot of those uh, interviews, I turned into little vignette stories about their service, and then it, it ended up running in the Times Daily newspaper in North Alabama, and and I just I just fell in love with writing right then and there.
1: And uh, you're you're still doing it and doing it to a to a high level. I can tell you that because I read your piece from last Friday, and there's there's one thing that I want to pull out of here. And mention a, a lot. Would you agree with this? A lot of writing is paying attention and and noticing and noting down just some of the weird, wacky things that happen that come out of left field, and then relaying them in the form of stories uh, because I think that captures people's attention and holds it.
8: You know, it, you're right. Uh, I have to I have to be aware, have to head have my head on a swivel, be aware of my surroundings, and just kind of absorb. All these little details that uh, that occur that uh, maybe you, you might miss because you're thinking about something else or you know you you just head's not 100 percent in the situation. But I have to thank Ricky Matthews, um, great friend, uh, and he had convinced me uh, a while back to start jotting down some of the experiences that I had while I was here uh, as a Mississippian who's. You know, all the way across the other side of the world and experiencing things. And he told me, he said, "There, there's some things that that happen to you that they might seem normal, they might seem odd, uh, but they're they're definitely going to seem like an adventure to uh, to readers back in Mississippi." So he encouraged me to start jotting things down, and then um, uh, this latest column that came out, um, the, the the it, it was a simple interaction. We were at the Yamiton Family Support Center uh, doing a um, an event with uh, it, they support single moms uh, and new moms, uh, financially maybe um, financially burdened moms, uh, teaching them skills of being a new mom. And uh, one of them came over to me and just kind of pressed her uh, newborn baby, infant baby, yeah, into my face and said, "Hey, hold my baby." and um, and and you know I, I don't know if I conveyed it well enough in the article that um, the Japanese uh, aren't a touchy feely society. Uh, they, they they do they don't even shake hands really. It's it's a lot of bowing, and so to shake a hand it's it's a, a an extra level of intimacy that they don't usually share. Uh, so to have somebody thrust their baby in my face and say hey please hold my baby for a minute, um, I at first I was very honored I was like, oh she trusts me enough with her baby and this this is something new uh, and then as she started talking to me she started letting me know that she just she just heard that I had come from uh, Mississippi um, and uh, that uh, she wanted uh, my unique blend of well, I think she called it flora my, my bacteria the, the, the makeup that was still on my skin from the the tropics of mississippi and uh and so she she wanted that to strengthen her baby's immune system so i went from being honored to being a little offended because she wanted my bacteria is the way she put it uh then then also being a little bit more touched um that uh that I, i could i could be a part of their life in that way um but then of course i was terrified what if this baby gets sick, and then they're going to blame me? <laughs> have
1: to bring it back over here to get treatment, wouldn't they? It's Mississippi stuff. Uh, correct me if Some I'm wrong. It's weird Mississippi disease that they don't have immunization for. <laughs> did, did you just invent a new occupation? I, I, I mean, I really think you did. Brian Lamar, germ evangelist. There, there you go. I, yeah, like, that. I yeah. like that. It's got a nice ring to it. need a business card with that on it. But that, that's the kind of unique thing that happens when you get outside your comfort zone. And I've talked about this before. And I love your columns for this reason because it does give a window into things. Uh, travel never does anything but help in your development as a person. Seeing new cultures, seeing new people, seeing new things, seeing a different way of looking at life can improve your life if you just do it. But most people don't, do they?
8: Right, yeah. So, I mean, I think the the vast majority of Americans don't even have a passport. And so um, I, I, I really encourage people to get that passport. And even if it's just crossing the border into Canada or Mexico to go just see another culture, another society, uh, another way that people can live, you'll learn a lot about your own culture as well while you're viewing other cultures and and i tell people a lot of times yeah, Jap- japan is probably one of the most like uh exotic cultures i could think of from south mississippi uh, but there are so many similarities that i find between the japanese people and people um in in america uh, but of course so many differences as well um and uh, obviously uh, japan uh, one of our America's strongest allies. And I'm over here doing a job uh, for the Department of Defense to continue that community relations. So I try really hard to see where I can, um, I can I can do these community relations events and outreach to where I can tie us together and, and build those bridges. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, back in uh, Thanksgiving time last year, I brought uh, American style sweet potato pies uh, and pumpkin pies, and uh, they grow sweet potatoes here in Okinawa. It's a huge crop, um, but we use them a little bit differently. And boy, they loved those sweet potato pies. They said we've never had anything like this before. Give the recipe. We're going to eat these now forever.
1: So, you have a variety of different things from South Mississippi you're infecting them with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not just the germs. <laughs> that's fantastic. But that, that's what it's all about. Uh, you, they pick up some things from you, you pick up some things from them. And I, I think it strengthens people when they do some traveling and they get exposed to new things. And, you know, if you want to start small, I'm sure you've seen the same studies I have over the years. Most people never get further than 50, 75 miles away from the place they were born. Uh, they, they just stay right there. <laughs> yeah. Start by traveling within America, if you want to, to kind of get your sea legs under you for traveling around. Go someplace, and you you will be amazed at exactly what you're talking about, the similarities and the differences, even within the U.S., and then you'll be ready to, to go overseas. It, is it scary to travel over to Japan and be there as a person from Mississippi? Is it something that you should be worried about?
8: um it's it's i I can't tell you how safe it is uh the violent crime is literally i mean it's one percent of what you would find in america if you look at the statistics violent crime just barely exists here barely it's it's a trace amounts um it, it the people are so helpful if you get lost or whatever and i, I get lost a lot uh sometimes when i'm looking at the signs I, I i know what it's like to feel illiterate because sometimes i'm looking at the signs and i'm like okay i don't know where this place is and i can't read that sign so i i, I go and ask um and the first word i, Brian, I, I really started Brian, to hold, assuming my sin which means excuse me hold
1: hold that thought we're up against a break we're going to come back here in just a second because mm-hmm. i'm going to keep you all the way up until one o'clock here On Super Talk on Middays.
5: This show was previously (coughs) recorded. This show was previously recorded. Are we going to do this?
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, Super Talk Mississippi, the Element Well Studios on a Thursday morning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Dave Hughes here, and we have with us live from Japan one of our uh, opinion columnists uh, at Supertalk.fm, Brian Lamar, uh, or as as he is starting to become known around the world, uh, Mister Bear. <laughs> I, I read the whole thing, Brian. I read it all the way to the bottom. I know, I know what you what you're talking about here. But you have some great interactions that you had. And I'm sorry I had to interrupt you going into the break. But you were talking about being lost and and translating the language. One thing I found fascinating uh, is that the whole story starts. You were at the community center that night uh, when the uh, woman gave you the opportunity to spread Mississippi germs. Uh, you were there reading to the the kids in English, right? Was that was that the same event?
8: Right. Now, yeah. So um, they so don't one they, thing they don't know that, what that you're do,
3: saying.
8: Well, you're right. Um, so uh, the the purpose of us reading English children's books uh, to to the, the I mean, and the, and these are the little ones. Um, so uh, they're. Most of them are speaking age, but they they haven't learned, they're they're learning Japanese, you know, just like, you know, the American baby is learning English. Um, So the the thought is, is that just by hearing a native English speaker on a regular basis, um, it will help them acquire uh, English later in life. And that's, that's the mentality behind it.
1: Well, at the very least, I think, from a conditioning standpoint, it at least gets them used to it in a comfortable, safe, secure setting, and they make positive associations with the sound of the English language. So that, that kind of changes a lot of potential paths in their lives, I would think. But here's my question for you. Well, th- th- this, I think, is a fantastic idea, and it's a
8: mind-broadening thing for the kids. Why don't we do that here in America? Well, you know, I, I, I think about this a lot, and uh, I, even myself, uh, as, as much as I consider myself worldly uh, and, and open to, to other customs, cultures, and societies, uh, I remember coming up with a plan uh, in high school to get out of taking Spanish. Uh, and uh, I, I took sign language instead, and that was my foreign language uh, credits. Um, and I did it again in college. And now I look back and I, I kick myself because I found out that I actually have an aptitude for language learning. And I've, I've picked up a lot of Japanese uh, since I've been here. And, um, and, and you know, in the States, I think there's a lot of um, maybe a little bit of closed mindedness to the idea of, one day, you might just pick up and go to Japan. It just seems like such a foreign concept. And for many people, it's it's out of the reach. So you think, why learn Japanese? But there are so many utilities um, to learning language. The, it, it unlocks part of your brain that you didn't even know you had. And that's a good thing.
1: Well, and, and that's uh, kind of the point. We, we kind of get in our own way sometimes, I think. And this is a great thing that you're doing, and I think it's really going to give those kids an advantage moving forward in life, just having that kind of experience. Now, is, is this a, a permanent situation? Are you over in Okinawa uh, permanently, or is there like a set time where you're coming back so you can bring some Japanese germs back home? What What's your schedule like?
8: <laughs> yeah, so... um, um I, I have return rights back to my job at the uh, at the CV Center in, in Gulfport. Um, and as long as I don't stay overseas past five years, I can come back to my old job. And that's just kind of the, the way the Department of Defense uh, entices people to pick up and move to go serve their country overseas. And so I have that ability to come back to Gulfport uh, sometime within uh, well, it's been a year now. Actually, today or, or this week is my one-year anniversary of being here. Uh, so um, uh, I, I've got about four more years that I can do overseas if I want to do it. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that's the plan to come back.
1: Okay, so the plan is to come back because you know, well, you you get I I, I suspect the fried chicken isn't as good there. The catfish is not the same level. You
8: know. It? You know, I've been to, I've been to uh, Korea and uh, all over Japan now for business trips, working for the army here. And both of these countries, uh, they've got their own versions of fried chicken, and they're both so delicious. I would love to be able to get good at making it the way they make it here and bring it back to Mississippi and do kind of a taste test. Because I don't know which one would win. There's all three versions are so good.
1: I, I, th- I think you may be trying to climb a steep hill if you're going to change people's opinion on fried chicken. But uh, I, I think it's a fight worth having, man. Yeah.
8: It's a fight worth having. You know, uh, so I've been a food writer for 20 years. And uh, I never would have thought that I would go to some place like J- Japan or Korea uh, and try the chicken and go, boy, let me have another. Uh, and and I was just, it, it knocked my socks off the first time I had this, um, it's like a, a soy-based uh, garlic and soy based fried chicken. Uh, it just, it's so good. <laughs> Brian Lamar, opinion columnist with Super Talk from
1: Japan, no less. You can find his, uh, his column on supertalk.fm. Brian, enjoyed it, man. Now go to bed. It's late. Yeah,
8: yeah, it's 1 a.m. <laughs>
1: Up next, we have Fox News, Super Talk, Mississippi News, and then hour number two of middays in the Element Wealth Studios. Next. This show was previously.